Hello, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 117. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things that interest us, and sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Andrea. How is it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. You're just seeing me come in from the uh, the rough wilds of Wednesday night volleyball. So <laughs> use any any stray sand that suddenly falls from my hair or whatnot. So that's that's just fine. Any <laughs> uh, athletic endeavors are good. So yes, yes, yep. You get to see my team jersey here. Get a little plug for the notorious Dig. Dig. So. D-I-G, yeah, instead of Notorious B-I-G. Notorious yeah. I mean, I didn't come up with it, but I think it's pretty clever. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. All right, well, on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about um, House of the Dragon. So mm -hmm. that's going to be in the latter half of the episode. Hopefully you've seen it. We will be get, getting spoilery about that. I have, I have thoughts again about game of thrones as well that i feel like i'm gonna have okay. to release uh at some point here sure. as well sure. uh it just it seems inescapable yep. before that we're gonna have uh some more manwa coverage some more webtoons continuing on with uh maybe meant to be in solo leveling mm -hmm. so we'll talk that and then uh, we have lots of news quite a few news stories this uh this week here and um yeah Plenty to talk about, all kinds of entertaining yeah. things, big Good stories, episode. some new breaking things, yeah. But before we get there, we better talk about drinks. Yes, let's get right down to it. Um, so I'm going to rewind us back to August 16th, which is, our, which is our first drink holiday, and it was National Rum Day. John, are you celebrating National Rum Day? I am. Yes. All right. Starting it off. What you got, boy? <laughs> well, you know, I think I'm going to, I feel like I want to reveal it when you're done with this list because okay. I might be incorporating something else. Ooh, a double holiday, double dipping. All yeah. right. I dig it. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, I'm going to uh, say August 18th was National Pinot Noir Day. I am not celebrating, yeah. but August 18th also has. It happens to be a pretty cool day because it's my best friend's birthday. Happy birthday, Dana. Shout out. Nice. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> gonna make gonna make her listen to this episode just for that shout out. Perfect. Um, yep. I am not celebrating that day, but I am celebrating the following day, August 20th. It was National Lemonade Day. And I may have a little vodka in my lemonade, but I, I just figure like the vodka's silent. You know, sure, yeah, it's absolutely. like in there, but it's just silent. So yeah. it's national. When you ask lemonade. someone, <laughs> <laughs> when you ask someone if you'd like some lemonade, it just comes with the silent in in there. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I catch I on. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I am celebrating. Nice. Um, and then to round it out. Uh, the following day was uh, August 21st, and it was National Sweet Tea Day. John, All right. are, you, are you partaking in Sweet Tea Day as well as Rum Day? Lemonade as well as Rum Day? What you got? Yeah, I've got, I've got the lemonade as well. So All I've right. got uh, the rum and the lemonade in my Targaryen glass. 
look yep. at you. Yep. My goodness. Getting, getting a little worn out now. You know, I've used glass quite a bit, but uh, yeah. No, it's perfect, so, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's supposed to be like, I was just looking at what I could do to combine um, the two. And there were some other drink ideas. One was making it sort of a uh, sangria. So it's supposed to have white sure. wine in here. Mm -hmm. but I wasn't going to open a bottle of white wine. So I took the sangria idea and we have fruit in here. There is green apple and orange um, along with some simple syrup. And uh, I let the fruit sit and, and some sugar a little bit, bring out some of the nice. extra sweetness. And then, uh, yeah. And then a Nordic rum and, um, and lemonade. So nice. Sounds delicious. Well, cheers. Yeah. We're cheers. Same page here. <laughs> And I may have another little drink surprise later in the episode. Excellent. So, excellent. Something yeah. to look forward to. A little teaser, if right. you will. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, like I said, lots of news, but um, it's been a little longer than normal. What's your, what's your week been like? Have you managed to watch or read and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, done a fair amount of things. Um, of course, watched, you know, and read the various things that we're going to cover this week, House of the Dragon, mm -hmm. maybe meant to be, solo leveling. Um, I've also watched some new things. I watched the first episode of She-Hulk. Um, okay. That's actually, I was surprised that that's all that's available on Disney Plus right oh. now. Normally they've been so dropping like yeah. the first three and then they'll go to yeah. like, you know, one a week. But no, only episode one is available. So. Well, they're shorter then too, right? I mean, they're like they, they 30 are. minutes. 40 yep. right so yep they're 30 ish minutes um so yeah i just i i've gotten so used to the like the you know sudden release that you can binge a little bit and then you get your yeah you know, week so i was a little surprised to discover there was only I'm, one i'm guessing there i was kind of surprised too Be you know like i understand they want to grab people and so give them a little more to go on um, than the first one because if you don't like the first one and maybe they'll stick around to see the next one next week right um but i'm guessing they're just trying to pace it with something else yeah so like the premiere yeah. of andor or something you know whenever it's sure. going to end have the next thing and that's that's totally fine it's just you know as yeah. as the average viewer goes like we, i think we've all gotten used to the the couple of episode drops so you can get your you know kind of like hook in and sink into it and then you know, you get your one, one at a time, but yeah, just one. So I watched it. Um, definitely have thoughts on it, but I won't. Yeah. Share what are your thoughts? Really. Oh. Well, I won't share like spoilery uh, things. Yeah. Yeah. Not spoilery things. But, <laughs> um. uh, overall, overall, I liked it. There were, I definitely had some criticisms of certain pieces, but I felt a little warmer to the series overall after having watched the first episode. I think there were okay. some things in there that really made sense. There were some fun things that were hinted at. There were definitely some frustrating things though, too. So it's, it's a strong start, but it's definitely got room to grow. Do you like the, the sitcom sort of direction to my understanding? It's like, yes. the show really is like a sitcom and it particularly, after episode one become you know gets in that flow that kind of pacing yeah yeah she hulk was always lighter and funnier than regular hulk do you know what i mean she just 
sinks into it more and embraces it. And there's, it's, it's definitely comedic, but it's not slapstick so far. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, I don't know, we're getting cheap laughs out of stuff. Um, Okay. at, At least I didn't feel that way in the first episode. So I think the comedic overtones really fit in here. Um, and I don't think because She Hulk isn't all isn't like tortured like Bruce is tortured, so there's mm. no there's no need to get like dark and twisty to the same degree. I mean, you can't just like have everything be funny and you know roses all the time. But yeah, it's it's definitely got a more lighthearted feel, and that's how She She Hulk is. So it works for me so far. Okay. Well, I'll be interested to see how uh, what you think of it as it continues. Um, I, um, be interested to see what the numbers are like or whatever they get for, for viewership. I, I'm, I should look into it more, you know, is every show from like every Marvel Disney plus show pretty consistent in numbers or is there a big fluctuation? I feel like, yeah, that'd be interesting. You know? Yeah. I feel like remembering from coverage that Ms. Marvel would and what if, were low mm-hmm. by comparison, but I don't know yeah. about the others. So, yeah, that that honestly doesn't surprise me. Especially, what if having low numbers? I think it's really mm-hmm. so trippy to wrap your brain around like that much of a difference in the Marvel universe. You just get very used to things in, as a certain way, and it's very hard to see like T'Challa as Star Lord or like Peggy Carter as you know captain america stuff like that it's just like i don't know i I think Mm. people really struggle with that kind of stuff like it's interesting for an episode and then they just get weirded out i think it's that it doesn't contribute it doesn't matter like it doesn't contribute to anything so i haven't watched all of what if but somebody told me that there's an episode that actually really does matter to the mcu i i don't i thought it was like i think it's a doctor strange thing Okay. Giving context to like multiverse of madness. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody told me that. I actually think it might have been Dana. Okay. Um, so yeah. So I was like, oh, interesting. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's hard to you know watch something that that that's that untethered from the Marvel universe. I mean, both in like form, in different characters, in not connecting to any of the stories, because I mean. If you sit down and think about it, like the original plan was for like WandaVision and Loki and, you know, um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier to not be connected to the movies. But I mean, they kind of are. But yeah, just not to be required not, viewing. You exactly. Know, not required viewing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's probably a combination of factors that, you know, sets what if in particular so far apart. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how that goes. Um, is yeah. new release is new episode? Is it like? Oh, was it? Isn't it like past midnight tonight? Yeah, uh, I think in the so. Thursday, I think. Yeah. Yep. So. Thursday, because it was released the 18th. So. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll have to check that out for sure. Um, and then yeah, I just continued on reading Knife of Dreams. Really excited with how that's going, making my way through Jordan's universe. Um, and then I wrapped up the entirety 
of season three of Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which continues okay. to be an excellent like teen slice of life comedy drama. It's very, very good. I really recommend okay. it. Nice. So and convert like they're gonna keep going. Is it look like it's uh uh it's season four is gonna be the last one. Okay. So they came in with a very clear like four year plan and they're gonna be wrapping it up. Um okay. which I think it makes sense. So senior senior year for these like kids that we're following in high school is gonna be the fourth year of the show and it's gonna end there. And I think that's right. I think this is not a show that would transition to like the college years. Um, sure. So many high school shows try to do and fail to do. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's a lot of stuff to to get done. Um, I did obviously a bunch of the same things, so we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, them. of course. Um, I read a bunch of comics and stuff, though. Uh, I wanted to show off a couple of things. Um, yeah. Die Dark was one I've been waiting for for quite a while. And Ooh, so that's a great cover. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's it's very like it's Halloween just, prep awesomeness. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. Uh, it's it it's a I don't know. I would almost say an acquired taste or something, but OK, it's very enjoyable kind of forming characters that go through this um, takes place way in the future in space. And it's zany as all get out. Definitely recommended. It's only in volume four now, so it's easy to catch up with. Um, so I finished that this week. Nice. And then um, picked up a couple other comics. Uh, one in particular to talk about that was pretty cool. Um, Sacrament. Ooh. So um, this one was an interesting premise. I thought it was like kind of someone dealing with um, their loss of faith. And so it's about people now having gone to uh, to space, gone to the stars, colonized other planets. Mm. But it's so it's almost year three thousand. Mm -hmm. And what does religion look like in this time for people? And uh, and you know, we're, our protagonist is a, a priest that is not um, particularly. Uh, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really believe anymore. So, but. He's being thrust into some other weird things and uh, just the first issue out so far. And uh, I like quite a bit uh, at this stage. So, yeah. Do they by any chance worship a God named Saul? <laughs> well, you know, when I looked, I was like, oh, <laughs> this, yes, Raised by Wolves, it's canceled. Like, here's something that's, you know, maybe something like it, you know, or where are they like going to go work. with the religion? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely was uh, hoping for something like that. To my knowledge, no, there is no, uh, there's no praise soul at this point. Okay, so. keep us posted. Because, because I was thinking of that too. It's like, well, if Raised by Wolves is is done, maybe that's something they do where they would wrap up the story or continue it in comic book form or something, sure. if nothing else. So, yeah. Um, and then for other big stuff, um, again, lots of reading, but. Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Mm -hmm. That's a new release this week. It um, it's um, just in theaters. I don't think for too long, but an opening weekend now. It went up to number one at the box office, so it's doing really well. 
I think, um, let's see, current number 21 million domestically. So, yeah, good numbers for the film. And it was a good time. It's, I, I, I still don't love the, they do sort of a more CG kind of style now with these movies than hand drawn look. And I'm never as much of a fan of that, but it does look really good in motion. So, sure. Um, it's a, it was a good story. It focused on some different characters, deals more with Gohan and Piccolo again, instead of your normal Goku and Vegeta. And um, it's fun and lighthearted where it needs to be. And there's a little emotion where there needs to be. So yeah, highly recommended. Awesome. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to take away anything from Dragon Ball, but I did see that like, the competition listed in the article was Idris Elba's Beast. Yeah, but that's a big name. That's a big uh, name. It's a big name, but a low bar. Like that, I watched yeah. tra several trailers for that movie and. Yes. It's a real so-so looking film about mm -hmm. a crafty man-eating lion. But like, that's what we, I feel like that's what we're getting. We don't competition is low you know there's not it a is, lot it is. out there that's you know everything a, that's a little a better is on streaming right now. yeah we're in a movie yeah. like a cinema theatrical movie lull right now mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i, I just mean top like gun's been the thing i was just like yeah exactly we've had we've had a couple of you know big movies this summer for sure but yeah i feel like everything's kind of gone downhill after top gun was released mm-hmm mm -hmm. It's so, yeah, I don't want to take away and... from Dragon Ball, but I was just like, oof. Yeah, it, for the <laughs> article could have compared just more to previous entries and stuff right. like that as well. And it's right. also the, I think, the number one release for Crunchyroll film uh, sure. stateside as well. So, sure. uh, compared awesome. to, yeah, yep. Um, but, yeah, it was weird because when we went in, the theater was pretty much, or at least our showing was pretty well empty. Compared oh, okay. to like when we went to the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero film, that was mm -hmm. a that was full. So mm -hmm. I was just uh, guess we picked the le less popular right. time or something. Right, just pick the magic hour. Yeah. Um, I will say coming up soon is mm -hmm. three thousand. I think a three thousand years of longing, two or three thousand years. That's that also <laughs> has Idris Elba. But then is yes. by uh, Mark Miller, the director of Mad Max. Yeah. And um, so that's that coming cool. this week, I think, this Friday. So I'm hoping that's okay. a, a good one. Yeah, I hope for Idris Elba's sake that that's a better movie. Because yep. Beast is an odd choice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, if anyone wants a good, um, I probably shouldn't bring it up while I can't remember the name of the movie. But, uh, oh, um, something darkness. Um, it's, it's a movie starring Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer from the early nineties or mid nineties. And like it Heart is of Heart of Darkness. Yes. I think that's what okay. it is. Or am I just thinking like the book? I know that's no. what I was trying to remember. Like, <laughs> am I thinking of the book? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a really good movie. Uh, the ghost in the darkness. Thank you, Alan. Okay. Yes. Thank you. The ghost in the dark. <laughs> um, because it's um 
yeah, that's about like man eating lions. And I am a big fan. It's just Sweet. a simple movie. I like Val Kilmer a lot. Michael Douglas sure. is good too. So yeah, that's yeah, this go watch that instead. Like, yeah, this just felt like really CGI. And I sort of was like, why is this lion like really just getting after these people? Like it's all back to the wolves time. and uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, man. Like they're just I don't know. There's there's something about like a smart animal. You can't make them too smart. Otherwise, mm. it just gets like into the realm of like, okay, like why are they almost human? Mm -hmm. You know, like why do they have like super intelligence? Like I don't get it. The Ghost so. of Darkness does a good job of like getting people kind of playing on the fears of the superstitions that people would have about an sure. animal or a beast that is more than that is like a demon or something. Sure. Um, that kind of thing. Sure. And I mean, there's plenty of believability in, you know, and, and natural science to back up like certain animals who've gotten a taste of human will then like mm -hmm. continue to go after yep. humans. But I think there's a limit to like how crafty these animals generally yes. are. Yep. So I don't know. That's why velociraptors are fun because we right. they don't exist now. We're not yeah. sure. So right, it's just like limitless possibilities. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, they can do things like open doors yeah. and you know do whatever the heck they want. But yeah, you know, th there's something about like knowing the limits of like current animals that you're like, mm -hmm. yep. So yep. Well, anyway. speaking of ghosts and demons, uh, some other new releases this week, or I guess mm -hmm. last week was Cult of Lamb. Cult of the Lamb. Yep. It's a video game. Looks super cute and super entertaining. You mm -hmm. play a little lamb guy that has to like build a cult um, in order to take down some other god, basically. And you have to like kind of watch over your flock. So there's the mm -hmm. irony, obviously, of like you being yeah. a lamb. And, and, and so I'm hoping to play that one sometime. It looks good. That does look cute. Um, and then Ghosts of Devil's Perch. So if you're into paranormal shows at all, like my wife definitely is, and I like watching with her. This is a new one um, with a friend Dave Schrader in it. He's um, does a lot of different shows, and like his really good one got canceled, unfortunately. It was as I think during kind of this shift to everything where Discovery Plus was building up their streaming service and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever, this is a new one now. Cindy Kaza is back in it as well. And um, yeah, they just the first episode's out. So that's a fun watch if you're interested in that kind of thing. Awesome. Um, and then some of the new releases you already talked about. Uh, She-Hulk and House of the Dragon. So Busy week. News. Yeah. Um, we have a number busier. of comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comic book related news items and some gaming uh stuff is happening so we'll start with the the comic book sort of things this is the newest um big deal mm -hmm. um let's see is uh oh yeah I, I skipped over i was gonna talk about house dragon one more. i'll get to that later um aquaman and shazam mm -hmm. aquaman 2 and shazam 2 have just been delayed again. Um, so Aquaman is now going to be March 17th, 2023. Mm. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. December 25th, 2023. And Aquaman, um, right? yes. 
Yep. Yeah. You just said Shazam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aquaman, December 25th, 2023. Yep. And Shazam will now be March 17th, mm -hmm. 2023. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just thought back to DC fandom as like the year of DC. Here's all this DC stuff. And I think, well, you know, we have Batman was coming out, you know, imminently. It was about to release or something, right. I believe. And then um, now we're basically Black Adam. Yep. Yeah. We were basically just like left hanging <laughs> after Batman. It was like all the things. Hey, like one of the things. At least that's the like, separate one. That's the very separate one. Right. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Just once again. Strong showing, DC. Just really <laughs> making me super confident in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised at this point. It's just it's starting to get sad. It's starting to feel <laughs> sad. Like the lack mm -hmm. of content, the clearly, like, you know, we we keep having to go back to these movies and somehow make them better. I'm worried we're going to see that desperation on screen and they're not actually going to be good. We're just going to see, like, some sort of, like, smash and grab of, like, throw all the coolest things in there and we're, we're going to sacrifice some story. So... I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong. This, this, you know, mm -hmm. I could look back on this after seeing these two movies and be like, woo, like, boy, that was a terrible prediction I had. But I mean, it, at this point in time, I have nothing to go on other than like all these delays, you know, other movies getting shelved, like, you know, things getting switched up. Things seem still, even after like this brand new restructuring, like very rudderless and directionless and yeah just continuing to like undermine any sense of confidence that batman built back for me sure well i'm gonna say two things that are unsubstantiated so <laughs> grain of salt oh guys now you can see them off that's uh pestering me in here it's perfect <laughs> um so one being that someone involved with the batwoman movie um was going in to get some of the footage like they want to back up some of the footage from mm -hmm. the film and mm -hmm. it was gone like it was wiped out like they took it off the servers Jesus. as if we don't want anyone to see this ever because that was Jesus. everybody's thing is well the, a cut is going to leak out at some point a cut's right. going to leak out people are going to well, be able to see said it they were and, they were going to shelve it indefinitely which doesn't mean mm -hmm. like we're killing it Mm -hmm. I mean, it does, but it doesn't technically. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like the footage has been gone, wiped, gone. including the scene shot with Michael Keaton. It's just, it's ah. no longer exists. Oh, so I, I hate thought that, that was interesting. That was interesting. I that. Oh, I was always hoping that Michael Keaton's scenes were going to leak. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, and, um, and the other thing, which I think is maybe really true because... Once again, they've talked about really building a 10-year plan. So that's the only thing that with all this stuff, like you say, obviously looks bad, looks desperate, looks uh, like what's going on. But I think that all this is happening because they're figuring out a plan now and going to try to make these things fit a little better. 
because the new rumor going around is that Ben Affleck is set to be Batman again, return as Batman. And so the idea would potentially be some reshoots, like, like they're deciding who they want in their universe right now, who they want to keep and how we're going to fit these films together. And would that mean then that Reeves universe is just going to be entirely like a separate bubble? Mm -hmm. I think so. You know, like Joker. Joker. Yep. Yep. I think they're not going to give up on a good thing going there. Yeah, I don't know. Because it doesn't, obviously, Reeves stuff doesn't match with any of the other DC stuff. No, no. I mean, I don't think. That kind of Batman and that kind of world, it doesn't fit. Right. I I don't think that part is the risky game. uh, Because I think you're right. I think it would be actually pretty weird to have, like, Pattinson go up against like Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Like right. I just, I can't see it. And it's, and it's honestly nothing to do with like Robert Pattinson and like any no, just... like tweeniness about him. It's literally just that they don't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think the risky part is like continuing on with this universe, but then also like having Batman in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, why not just focus on the pieces of the universe that don't have Batman in it and then like right. leave your Batman totally separate? Yep. I think I would just be fine with that thought. too. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't know what some of this stuff is. Some of this is maybe, you know, there was some reasonable evidence to, to support this, but at the same time, a lot of this could be wishful thinking on the parts of some people. So totally. we'll yep. see where this goes. But Again, to me, I see the delays as tell. not. The, yeah, yeah. I see these delays as not speaking poorly necessarily against Aquaman and Shazam. Honestly, I really think that it's we're going to make sure we align our universe how we want it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that I think they're going to try to get get the Rock to be a central figure, use some of that star power. So I think that they're going to push forward with, with that and. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that one doesn't have enough bearing on anything else yet that that one can just be in there mm-hmm. and uh, add him to yeah. the later. Mm-hmm. I, I can say I was like dying to see these. So I'm not crushed that I have to wait longer, you know? No, I'm not. I, I'm not crushed. Although I was looking forward to Shazam because I did really like the first. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I think I think it'd be great if, you know, these delays turn out to support the, you know, we're reorganizing, shuffling, making things fit together and not just having things be so haphazard. But again, like my past experience with DC just screaming like a little warning at me, like, oh my God, you know, in, in attempting yeah. to keep refining and refining and refining, you're, you're going to end up like overdoing it. And these movies are going to end up just a chaotic mess in a different way. Yep. So... We'll see. Yep. Um, all right. So we're going to stick on the DC thing for a while. Uh, a couple more stories yet. So we, we've we been talking for a long time about what they're going to do with The Flash, what they're going to do with Ezra Miller. Um, and it was supposedly the other week that there was a meeting and it was, they're like, okay, we, we have to figure out something. We've got like three options. We're going to, either scrap this whole thing or we're going to like take Ezra off the press tour. Um, or you're going to, you're going to apologize <laughs> and say you're getting treatment. 
And so it seems like it's that option. Um, Ezra Miller has a, an, a, a statement out. Um, see if I can uh, find what it actually was here. thought this had it in there. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but nonetheless, um, supposedly complex mental health issues is to blame. And Ezra is taking some time to, to deal with that. And so that's how they're going to going to move forward with this. The thing that I honestly thought would have happened a long time ago, like, Hey, you need help. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going in to rehab mm -hmm. like every other star does. Um, and it just didn't happen for the longest time. So they must have actually finally caught up with him and been like, Hey, you know, you want, mm -hmm. you want this money or not? Like you want to be in this anymore or not? So. Yeah. I, I am not going to try and, and perhaps take away from anyone who has truly suffered mental health issues and nor am I going to presume that Ezra Miller does not also suffer um, in some fashion. I mean, mental health issues is a, is a little bit vague. Um, so right. I, I find that odd. But, you know, nobody is forced to disclose any sort of specific diagnosis or, you know, any, any right. specific thing that they're undergoing. But having read some of this apology, it is hollow. It, it is lame. I mean... I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed or upset with my behavior. Like, alarmed or upset? Like, that would be you maybe, like, stripping off your clothes and claiming that you're a chicken and running around in the rain, like, convinced that you need to live on the farm now. Like, I mean, that's alarming and upsetting to me. Um, you know? That'd be entertaining. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but breaking into somebody's house and stealing liquor or getting into violent bar fights isn't just like upsetting, you know, mm -hmm. like you cause some serious harm to other people, like acknowledge that. So this, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just, I'm it was very like surface lame apology and I'm not like, oh, poor Ezra, like you know, he really went through a hard time. I'm sort of like, boy, like this is just like a perfunctory thing you clearly think you have to do right now. I hope you genuinely yep. get some help also and maybe come out the, the other side and give an actual apology because this ain't it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you can't excuse it. I would say the only thing that I would, with the apologies, I'm guessing... He's probably trying to stay all for their legal issues by not like probably. admitting to certain crimes that might have ongoing, but probably. Uh, but charges. again, I think I think you can yeah. be more sincere without you know walking yourself into legal issues. So yep. yeah, I don't I don't want to like give him a pass, but I do hope he gets some help, like genuinely. Right. No matter how sincere he is or isn't, I hope he gets some help because he needs something. Yep. Yep. Well, someone that doesn't need any help right now, uh, Matt Reeves, because yeah. he just signed a big deal with Warner Brothers. So yes, he did. we didn't know if the Batman 2 was happening, and now it is. And mm -hmm. um, so for his um, future projects, we don't, it's, 
let's say multi-year deal. Yes. What does that mean? We don't know how many years that is, but clearly the Batman two, and then this Penguin spinoff series. Yep. series. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I guessing. Mean, I'm guessing when they say multi-year, they mean three above. Mm, you know what I mean? Otherwise, they would say a sure. two-year deal. I feel just like somewhere around like three plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great to know that Batman two is happening. It's great that, you know, I mean, we already had the confirmation about Penguin, but it's nice to know that it could, you know, have like a real future. If it picks up, it could be like a multi-year mm -hmm. thing. And I mean, who knows if then we're bringing back the, um, Gotham PD based series that he had planned and then got Maybe. the ax. Um, I had said at the time that I was sort of okay with that one being axed because we've done that angle before, but I don't know. He's done really great stuff. And if, yeah, Batman 2 and, and the Penguin series are just as good as Batman, then I don't know. Take a gamble. I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just good to hear because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the... You would assume there's a Batman 2, but right. you just don't know what's going to happen in the reorg and the shuffle of everything, right. so... Like we're talking, it could have been a thing where, hey, we're bringing Affleck back and we want to have a consolidated one universe for sure. So Inflate. sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. But, Oof, that would have been a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, all right. Mistakes were definitely made when it comes to uh, Regal cinema Cinemas, I would say. Um, they are filing for bankruptcy. Second biggest theater chain um, in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, bankruptcy is upon them. So, mm -hmm. I mean, all that means is they'll pay half of their debts and then right. be in business and fine yet. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. it doesn't look good. No, no, it doesn't inspire confidence in, uh, you know, the kind of mystery that we were thinking about of, you know, are people going back to theaters or are, are theaters going to be, you know, picking up again. And for a while there, it seemed like the answer was going to be yes. And now I feel like there's a big movie lull. You know, we had the incredible success of Top Gun Maverick. And now what people aren't being drawn back to the theater. There's nothing there yeah. for them to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, are we just ever, we always have the, have phases of what the entertainment thing is, mm -hmm. you know, for a long time, it was America's pastime is baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not anymore. <laughs> I don't know if it's still called, if it's still called that, but it's not, you know, for, or everybody would gather around the giant radio console and listen mm -hmm. to whether it be news or radio drama or something like that. That was the mode of entertainment, you know, bef way before that it was the court jester or the person on, you know, wherever in the town square that knew how to play the lute, you know, like whatever entertainment changes and we go through phases and none of it goes away. Baseball still exists. There's still people that play the lute on the street corner. There is still, you know, like whatever, it still all exists, but things get reshifted in like mm -hmm. a hierarchy of what people enjoy as new stuff comes out. Comic books, you know, are in that thing where right now, like following that community more closely. And a lot of people want this like return to Marvel DC glory, where we get our 
superheroes we love, monthly books from them all the time. They're high quality and everybody wants to go. But it's like that isn't what people want anymore. Like that's also not the entertainment. The kid is running to the local comic book shop or drugstore, going to your spinner rack and looking for, and, and even if the comics were great, that's still not going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So like all the entertainment stuff is just changing. And I think things that maybe have been sped along and movies just aren't the king anymore. You know, right now everybody still wants to write their comic or their novel or their whatever in the hopes that it gets made into a movie. That's still the goal or whatever. But maybe it's not going to be soon. Like maybe it's not going to be the end all be all. And we're just going to have to expect slower movie releases, smaller indie releases, Mm -hmm. um, more fragmentation through different streaming services Mm -hmm. and people entertain themselves with other things. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would honestly say in this particular moment, people are probably still writing their books and their, you know, comics or, or whatever they want to write, but they want to turn them into series. That's, Mm. I mean, that's so big right now. Like everything on streaming, I feel like is like based on the novel by Jenny Han or based on the novel by James Patterson or, you know what I mean? Right. It's it's such a thing now to write something that can be either sustained multi-season or just have this one amazing epic like season long run. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, TV is, is in its still in its heyday. I think, you know, we thought that it might be toppled when people could go back to the theater and people could go back to those, you know, like big cinematic experiences, but we haven't had that. We haven't had those, those big moments except for, you know, the peak of Top Gun. Yep. Yeah. I so, mean, you, you look at kids. I don't think movie theaters are going away, but no. I think they'll become less plentiful and there'll be less to see. Mm-hmm. That's that's my argument with all this stuff. It's like none of it is going away, but right. it is, we're, the, the hierarchy of importance to the culture is shifting. And I think it would be beneficial to all the studios that remain and services that exist to focus on quality, focus on quality and make, you know, but realign your budgets to a new expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I, I kind of started thinking of this the other night because Ash and I were sitting in bed watching a YouTube talk show mm-hmm. and I'm like 10 years ago, even five years ago, um, I would have never heard of heard of the show main event. I would never have been, this would not be a thing. I would it'd be, we'd be watching cheers reruns or something, you know, mm-hmm. or if whatever you turn on the television, what's on the local station or something like that. That was what you did to like kill time or whatever. And I, I haven't done that in a very long time now. And mm-hmm. kids definitely don't do that. So it's just right. like, it's weird for me to see myself sitting here watching this that is so unlike television network television of old that was used to be the thing. Mm-hmm. And now I don't anymore. We're all just moving on. I wouldn't have thought I'd sit and watch someone play a video game. Now that's what kids do. You know, mm-hmm. constantly people like Dr. Lupo or uh, Dr. Disrespect have like 30,000 people watching them or 15,000 people watching them 
all the time. Mm -hmm. Like none of these network, anything can compete with that. Like it's just the world's different now. And we've, we've gone through a change. I don't think the corporations realize it yet. Yep. So. I agree. I agree. It's catching up though. Yep. Yep. Um, a lively entertainment sector for sure is that of the gaming market. And yeah. um, Gamescom is currently underway in Germany. Mm -hmm. So there was an opening event that um, everybody knows Canadian Jeff Keeley was hosting and uh, he, he has to say he's Canadian all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's we like, dude, no Canadian. one cares. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, he so, yeah, he, Gamescom opening night live and mm -hmm. it was a relatively long show that I saw basically um, lambasted everywhere I looked, but I watched it and I was fine. You know, there was lots of stuff that wasn't I wasn't interested in, but a number of things that I was. Mm -hmm. And um, did you get the chance to check out any of these things? Yeah, I watched a couple. Um, I saw Dune, Callisto, Lords of the Fallen, Hogwarts, Lies of P. And where was the other one that I saw? Oh, Dead Island 2. Okay. So I watched... I Not watched starring... What's that? Kravitz. <laughs> yeah, I just saw it's like, oh, they look like they designed this person yeah. off of Lenny Kravitz, you know? Yeah. So. I'm not going to lie. That's part of why I decided to watch that trailer. I was like, yeah. hey, what now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. Did any of those things look good to you or... Yeah. Um, so I loved Lords of the Fallen. I love like the color scheme there. Um, I love like the storyline that's going on. Um, so that just looked like a lot of fun to play. Hogwarts Legacy, I was really interested in watching the gameplay because I was trying to conceptualize what this game would really be. And it's definitely like the darker side of Hogwarts for sure. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. it's not like it's not like if you're expecting to like go through like we're in year one at Hogwarts and I'm gonna you know go to my like adorable herbology class and stuff like that. Like right. no, it's a little bit darker, a little bit you know more battle centric. Um, and I'm sure that's not the entire game because of course like it talks about you are a student at Hogwarts and you do go to like classes and learn how to do. Yeah. This oh yeah. But. Yeah, it's definitely a darker take on what it would mean to attend the school. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I think they're it's definitely going for the that. Yeah, they're going for the tone of, you know, to me it seems like anything past the first two movies for sure. Yeah. You know, three yeah. three through the end sure. kind of thing. Yeah, I would say probably like Order of the Phoenix, kind yeah. of right around that area. Yep. That's what it felt most like to me. Yep. Yeah, I'm still very excited for Hogwarts Legacy. You can pre-order it, I think now or or tomorrow or something like that. Yeah. Um, there is a Dune. I thought was interesting because it's a mm -hmm. so it's an open world survival MMO. So yeah. that was that surprised me that there were. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are the cities gonna? I, I don't know. Just they, they obviously just showed like a cinematic, so we don't right. know. But. Right. Um, I like Dune, so I guess I will pay attention. Um, Lies of P, I am 
that's the one I didn't know about that I'm excited for. Yeah, same. It looks Soulsborne light, and um, but it's like very steampunk. And mm-hmm. it's like, I think you're playing, if I'm not mistaken, you're playing Pinocchio growing right. up. Right, right. And you're That's like looking for too. Geppetto. Yep. So, That's what I got yeah. too. Yeah, it's uh, kind of neat. Um, a number of other things I didn't, you know, like there's just not enough to know about it, not enough shown. Mm-hmm. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the game that was very surprising. Yeah. Um, and then there's a game that I don't know if I wrote it down. Um, blah, 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 blah. okay, new game from the Subnautica people. I think this is the one mm. that I thought maybe you'd be interested in because. Oh, maybe I hope I'm not getting this one wrong. There was the person that finished up the Wheel of Time books that helped with that is oh, writing. Anderson? Yeah, I think so. He's writing one of these games. I think it was the new Subnautica one. Um, Alan saying Unknown Worlds. I, I just I it didn't look like a game for me at all. Um, so. Because it's like a turn-based miniature collecting battle game. And it's like, oh, people like miniatures. Well, yeah, but in real life. Um, and I don't know. I'll have to go back and 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 watch it. Sure. Because maybe it was something else. But um, yeah, they had the... He's, he's on board for helping write stuff, so. Is it called Moonbreaker? Oh, maybe that's it. Um, yeah, yeah, Subnautica and it. fantasy author Brandon Sanderson team up in cool-looking miniatures battle game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yep. Moonbreak. Sweet. Okay, well, I'll watch the trailer later. Okay. That would be sweet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we get some cool lore with it anyways. Um, anything else really to call out? Um. I actually thought Sonic Frontiers, this was... Sorry, I'm still what, there. What's that? It's about space pirates. I'm very oh. excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe it's the perfect game for you, you know? Yeah. Yes. So, um, I'm looking forward to Warhammer Dark Tide that comes out this year, oh, actually. Sure. So, um, maybe we can play with a group on that. So, I don't know. There, there was a few good things in there, I thought. And... Um, yeah, we'll see if anything else much gets revealed during Gamescom. Yeah. Um, Buffy, your favorite. <laughs> show. Just a hard left there, John. <laughs> yep. Yep. I um I didn't know what uh, you'd think of this. I was not aware mm-hmm. that they were going to re they were supposedly going to reboot Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Um. But it seems like that has been shelved. Now, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this? I feel okay. Um, honestly, this has been talked about for a really long time, and there was huge, huge buzz about it um, when the cast gathered for the 20th anniversary, and they did like these these like EW like cover photo shoots, and they had this huge article, big reunion. It was awesome. Um, but nothing really ever materialized after that. There was just like strong hints that it was happening, but then nothing happened. And then Joss Whedon hit his like own mini scandal of like 
people coming out of the work woodwork to call him a difficult director, like really a tyrant on set, like horribly unfair to certain actors and really just like kind of a punishing atmosphere. So I'm honestly not surprised that, you know, everybody kind of wanted to put some distance between anything, you know, Joss Whedon helmed um, and themselves. And this just is like the latest casualty, you know, excuse the expression, putting the nail in the coffin of, of a reboot for now. I'm okay with it. Um, Buffy was such a great series and it's one of those I really wouldn't like to see rebooted and done poorly. Um, I think, I hope I'm not like pissing anybody off terribly, but there was a Charmed reboot that just recently happened and I'm not a fan. Like, I really liked the original Charmed show and I just... Piss them off. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's my opinion, damn it. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I just didn't think it was like terribly well done, so... And nothing to do with like the actors involved. I just felt like the writing wasn't very strong. So yeah, it's just, it's disappointing when you take something that you feel is just like so great and you'd love to see it get new life or a new chapter, but it lets you down. Mm-hmm. So as long as this reboot is out there in the ether, it can't let me down. Right. Yeah. Well, and it wouldn't have, you know, to my understanding, wouldn't have had anything to do with, I mean, complete fresh start. You know, it, so it like, would be in, it in the sense been, of like, yeah, it would just be like a uh, again, like a singular Slayer focused series, yeah. not necessarily like any sort of Buffy. I'm sure she probably would have made an appearance at some point. There would have been like a, you know, whether it be like an actual like living being, or it would be like a hmm. a call out to some lore or like a flashback, or a, you know what I mean. There would be some mm-hmm. reference to her, um, but yeah, like I said, as as long as okay. it's like living in you know the ether world it, it can't like, yeah. come out and be terrible i see i was under the impression that they would do what everything else seems to do is they would have a new buffy it wouldn't be like continuing on in this world and a new slayer it'd be no here's a new buffy and new people playing oh. the same character but maybe i'm wrong about that because it just seems oh. like that's what they usually do is like We'll ignore the other thing and but we're going to do it again. Buffy. Yeah. It's just, it's just doing Ugh. it again uh, over. Cause I just feel like that's that. what normally happens these more. days. I hate that. Yeah. That's, more. but maybe I'm like just looking at everything else and the way it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's like when you remake gone in 60 seconds, the movie, like it's a, it's a new thing, you know, and it's not yeah, a new entry in the gone in 60 seconds. Right. It's, ethos. it's, it's like, because, because I feel like people use the term reboot and they use it differently as in yeah. like, are we rebooting the series itself or like we rebooting the universe? Right. Do you know what yep. I mean? So it's, it's hard for me sometimes when they say a reboot, because I don't know what that means. Whereas like a remake to me directly says we are taking the original thing that we had and we are going to remake that original thing. There will be no right. like continuation or offshoot or whatever. So so here's the story that was back from 2018 when it was announced. Um, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer is actually getting a reboot. Luckily for fans of the Supernatural series, some key behind-the-scenes players are going to be involved in the reboot, which will be a contemporary take on the popular story. Um, to me, again, that says, here's the story Buffy. of Buffy. 
and we're gonna just remake it. Ugh, I hate it. Yep, I hate it. I hate um, it. Let's see anything else? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You know, they wanted to modernize it, diversify it, tackle today's issues. Uh, I mean, see. I did always enjoy that aspect of Buffy where it was like monsters it's, could be literal and metaphorical. Like they did that mm-hmm. really smartly for a very long time. So that would be really fun to see that on my TV screen again. But I don't know, just like pick another Slayer, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, well, and it's one of those things where, um, part of the part of it now part of the charm is that it's a product of its time you know there's a lot of things like that now that are product of its time and so they're fun to like go back in time there even if you didn't live it you know right you're still experiencing yeah Buffy is so 90s it's so Mm -hmm. 90s and early 2000s and you just feel it and it works for everything yeah. that the show does. Like the references, the characters, the way they like act, dress, talk, it all fits. So mm-hmm. I would I would have a really hard time. And I think it. that works to the benefit of a lot of things because people want to be taken out of now. Mm-hmm. So you, you when you watch entertainment, you want to be removed from from yourself to a point or from mm-hmm. your environment. You know, like if you want reality, if you want what's happening today just go to work and just do your thing. You know, like that's why something like we're going to talk about here in a second house of the dragon is, is a great example. And it's like, we're, we're we're pulling yourself out into a new place and you get the benefit of watching something like Buffy now. And for this, for the same reason, you know, if you sit and watch Buffy in the moment, if it's not really good, you're sitting there like they're talking about, what school is like today and the environment and right. school now, or whatever, and the technology we deal with. That's right. not as exciting because it's normal and it's what it is. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be disappointed with this, but I'm actually not. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I did see so there, they still have some angel comics coming out mm-hmm. in the, I saw them in the comic book shop. So, yeah. Totally good with that. Um, all right. Speaking of comics, maybe meant to be webtoon manhwa. Um, we're talking episodes 13 through 15 of that series. It's, um, just talking about like removing yourself from the reality of today. Maybe meant to be is not too much that, you know, it's definitely, um, a modern day kind of thing, but fun slice of life thing nonetheless that we've been really liking what do you think of these last three episodes um so i was actually kind of a little bit disappointed for the first time um in this in this series um you know we we left off on our really huge cliffhanger gia and minchiel accidentally kiss and, you know, we're opening yep. now with what are they going to do about it? And it's not like I expected them to just be chill because that's not these two people. Yep. But 
like literally running away and then saying like, oh, this kiss is canceled. You know, I was just sort of like, ah, come on, like grow up a little bit. But I was willing to like look past if there was going to be like some resolution to it uh, because Mitchell brings it up again and he's like, listen, it happened for more than three seconds. So (laughs) I was like, oh, where's he going with this? And he's like, why don't we just make it our first kiss? And like, this will be our story for everybody. I was like, logical, love it. And then Gia like slaps him and literally runs away to her sister's house. And I was like, what? Like, you're so all over the place. I can't follow you right now, girl. Mm-hmm. So I was really disappointed mm-hmm. in the, like, the utter lack of any attempt to deal with it by Gia. And I know that's not, like, her style. She's not totally, you know, mature and rational. But this was a moment I felt like she could have done a little bit of growing while also, you know, trying to backpedal. And I didn't feel any of that here. Yep. So I was a little let down yeah. by the character for the first time. I was like, I need, I need you to take some baby steps here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, you know, I understand when you're, if you're dealing with people in real life, it can take a long time to change or to mm-hmm. like, to, you know, grow up or learn from mistakes or something like that. But this, the benefit of a fictional story here is uh, we don't have to do that exactly. And mm-hmm. time can be sped up. We don't want to literally be reading for 15 years as Gia like grows up. We need to, we need to make some progress. So yep. it was, it was a fun situation. And I liked seeing her at her sister's place and stuff. Right. Me but too. yes, it was not, it was not, we're we're in far enough where we need to I need to start seeing that I would have thought that we would start seeing some signs that they like each other because we got sure. a hints of it earlier already, like her getting flustered here and there or something. Mm-hmm. Where is that going? I I get an awkward situation, but right. I, yeah. I the best thing the best thing about this is how her sister trapped her, knew exactly yeah. what she was up to yes. and like got her out of the house. That was the best. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, to, to follow it, to echo your point where we sort of got a little bit of like hinty hint in these episodes about them liking each other. Like Minchiel doesn't just go like he at first says it's canceled, but then he's like, no, I'm going to take that back. And I think, you know, he's like maybe testing the waters the way he like cleans his glasses and then like shoots her a look like let's make it our first kiss. And I was like, Ooh, Interesting. Like, could we be could we be getting like a hint of Minchiel here? Like rational, logical, totally in line with his character, but also maybe just like testing some waters. And mm-hmm. she's like obviously upset both at the kiss, but also that he doesn't seem to be flustered by it. Like it seems like she wants him to be, I don't know, yeah. blushing or stammering or feeling something. And she's also upset by that. So so we got them, but I feel like those those little, you know, progress hints were taken away by her departure. And it was actually like too far of a step backward. You know, I don't don't know what I'm Yeah, no, it's like, because this is a reaction you'd expect. What's it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, It's, 
I, I was talking to Ashley about it too, cause she's reading it, reading it. And, um, mm -hmm. we just were like Minchel's a, a steal here. Yeah. He's, he is, he is He's clean. A stud, he has man. a job. He he works out all the time. You know he he's loves yes, his chicken breast. Right to a fault. <laughs> he doesn't care about clothes and about right. you know eating different things. But that makes it cheaper too. You know whatever you know. He's just he's very logical and he's willing to give you space. And he has his hobby, so you know you don't have to be together all the time or whatever. Like where and yet she's still like. Ugh, basically like why would i ever would I ever kiss him he's gross or like what what is there about him that you know it's like she still has not seen him at all in this way which to me i thought she was starting to in moments and just like yeah i don't know yeah it's, it's disappointing so yeah yeah i felt like these episodes were fun still well written but just like i said just kind of undercut some of the progress we've made and it was the first time I felt like it didn't line up with the story or it didn't, okay. it didn't serve the story to have them do this like push and pull back and forth dance. And I was almost sort of upset at Minchiel coming to find her, you know, mm -hmm. I almost wanted him to like take a stand and be like, no, you got to come back, you know, yeah. I, just because. I, just because her reaction was so wild, like she just hit him and ran and moved out. I was just like, I mean, I know that's not him. He's not like petty or he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't like hold a grudge. But I just, I really wanted some more pressure on Gia to grow up a little bit. I I agree half ways. I, I didn't mind him yeah. going there. I just didn't want him to be then apologizing and stuff because mm -hmm. he didn't do anything wrong. And I know he's exactly. like just trying, but that's where he has to learn. Like, it's not just about making the other person happy or just making it right. You, you know, you got to actually work out the thing. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yep. Still good. Um, still excited to read it. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. I still want to keep going for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's so hard three episodes at a time like ah yeah <laughs> but we're gonna catch up soon i think 15 just came out so we're good yep. or sorry uh maybe 15 no we just read uh, 15 so i think it was 18 just came out or something like that yes 19 just came out okay all right so, so we'll, yeah, be we'll be caught up soon uh next one is solo leveling I've been seeing mm -hmm. this more in stores and print and stuff as well. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we're talking episodes four through six. Uh, really just the just the beginnings here. We saw our hero, um, or supposedly our hero, weakest hero, mm -hmm. going into a dungeon. We got a little bit of a explainer at the beginning of this one that like yes. at some point these like gates emerged and yes. there are sort of connections to other planes and so that's what people would go in and that those people that keep going in are hunters or whatever so um yes yeah now we know yeah I was, I was really happy about this because i was like i really need something to like figure this out and a gate totally works for me like you know it's odd but it's not like i don't know convenient there's clearly more to develop there i had questions like like only certain people could go through and like certain people got like gifts and strength as yeah. hunters. 
others that it was just like, this is it. This is innate. And you have this gift now. Um, so that was just fun to start learning about a little bit of that backstory. And I'm very interested to see like, if there's going to be any more on who gets picked and how and what, and I don't know. Right. Fun. Sure. Um, yeah, I liked these few episodes. Again, they go, they seem to go really fast, but I'm really liking the art. The bosses they're dealing with are scary. Um, it's still not the most unique. Like, I haven't seen anything unique yet other than, mm-hmm. like, just the particular monsters they have and stuff. Yeah. Um, clearly, they're trying to figure out a puzzle here. Uh, solve the riddles. Pray to and the right people. people. Some people cannot figure it out. Oh, boy. No. Uh, yeah, uh, in these, in this particular thing, you know, we kind of see that our hero's, you know, struggles have almost served him because he spent more time in dungeons and had to like, think about a lot of different negative things that have happened. So he's sort of like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen here? Like, let me figure it out. And that sort of serves him in a really unique way, which is kind of fun. Um, and then we see some of his team, just really jump the gun when he starts, you know, suggesting like, Hey, I think I figured out some of these commandments and what they mean and how we're going to survive this dungeon that we're in. And people just like jump up and they're like, I figured it out. You must mean this. And you're like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Lasered into the guy like calmly, you know, reciting a prayer as the guy just as the, you know, giant statue just, comes up and steps on him i'm like i mean you gotta have faith right if you're gonna make it work yeah gotta have faith till the last minute i guess but yeah yeah clearly clearly these hunters aren't you know chosen because they're the smartest or you know most uh cautious of people yeah so yeah well are you enjoying the series so far absolutely i am um, okay. I think like you said, it'd be, it'd be nice to get something new and unique here. Once, once we maybe finish in this dungeon, um, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm assuming we do at some point might take a while, but you know, kind of once we get out of whatever situation we're in now, it'd be nice to like start seeing, um, other pieces of a story develop, but yep. for now it's good. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, that is maybe meant to be and solo leveling. Now we're on to main a event. Long away. What's that? Main event. The main event. House of the Dragon. Um, prequel to Game of Thrones. Before mm. we get going, I'm gonna bring out my special drink. So you can see here. Yeah, um, there you go. We collected a lot of the Game of Thrones whiskeys that came uh, onto store shelves. This is the Targaryen, House Targaryen, Fire and Blood. It says it is a single malt scotch from the Game of Thrones collection. Cardew Gold Reserve. Um, So let's see anything else particular here that's good to say about it um you know i haven't had this in a long time uh i remember it being pretty smoky i thought here's what it says about it 
fueled by the same fiery spirit and courage to conquer all challenges in their way. Helen Cumming and her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, were pioneers of the male-dominant whiskey industry during the 1800s and largely responsible for the early success at Cardew. The, this single malt scotch celebrates these legendary women and their unwavering perseverance with a liquid that's rich in texture and balance of sweet fruit, dark chocolate, toffee, and spice. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Going to just give myself a little bit. We'll nip Sorry, you can't all taste it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably doesn't. Uh, wonder if you can get any of these anymore. If they are, I I bet like, they'll bring some stuff back. If they gauging on like so? how well the show does, I think I think they'll start to bring some Game of Thrones stuff back. Cautiously, yeah, maybe. I know you can still get on the shelves. I've seen it before, like Johnny Walker, Johnny White, White Walker. Walker. Yeah, 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 that is cool. So, cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's not, it's not as I remember it. What, there was one that was so smoky. Do you remember? I, I brought it to Ryan and Melissa's party once. And it just was like. Yeah. Maybe it was, uh, I think it was Lannister, maybe. I really wanted to like the Lannister. And I was and like, whoa, that's too much. It just was like, I yeah. just just sat in a fire yeah but. we oh gosh i i can't remember all of them we have tully and baratheon okay and i liked yep. i think i liked baratheon more than i liked tully yeah i liked baratheon well, and i thought it fit well because i am mm -hmm. you thought it fit yeah well we what, sorry. no because we um um i i have preference for I have a soft spot for House Baratheon, so. Mm -hmm. Which we got like to it. see in a very roundabout way in the premiere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, talking House of the Dragon, um, you'd found the uh, numbers mm -hmm. for the show. Yep. Um, House of the Dragon premieres draws nearly 10 million viewers, being the biggest HBO series premiere ever. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking, like, has it been too long? Are people interested? Are they too burnt out from, you know, they have a, do they have a bad taste in their mouth from Game of Thrones? What's the deal? You know, it's all new faces. I mean, I think this says they there's interest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the, the article was very clear about, you know, you know, they like compared it to other premieres, especially Game of Thrones own premiere. And it was like, well, we're comparing it, but we can't really because like Game of Thrones was so unknown when it started. And then like by the end, it was such like this huge juggernaut that I think what they say, like almost 19 million people tuned in for the final season premiere. Um, you know, so I mean, it's not sure like the, the yeah. premiere isn't. Like, yeah. So it's somewhere. It kind it's of not in the up middle. to where Game of Thrones got. Was but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it still says, you know, we're making a strong showing out of this. People are clearly still interested. Um, and there are some people who are probably doing like a wait and see, you know, I'm going to wait and see what others feel about it before I, you know, get myself back into that world and that potential heartbreak. There probably are some people out there who are still feeling burned by, you know, pardon the pun, 
um, burned by the end of <laughs> the the Game of Thrones series. And I can't blame them. I mean, everybody, no. it's so well documented what a train wreck it was. Everybody knows. There's nobody out there who thinks that last season and that series finale was a resounding success. Like, I mean, I guess there could be, but I don't know what world you're living in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I think this is this is a strong case for interest, and they're going to have to continue to prove themselves, but a good first outing. Yeah. Did I did I bring up my MP3 analogy last week? I think I did. Like Napster and LimeWire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. I won't blabber it again now. I'll give people a few <laughs> weeks to um, John makes yeah. a note to himself. Bring up Napster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I um no, it's cool. I I just made me think, you know, I bet 95% of people that watch Game of Thrones or now House of the Dragon, they don't follow anything connected with it. They just see an ad somewhere. They see it on YouTube and they're like, oh, cool. The dragon show is back. Let's watch that, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it looks like. You know, because I, I just feel like, yeah, maybe there was going to be a whole bunch of people really turned off and I does it doesn't seem like it. So I don't know. I just um, I don't know. I don't I, know where I'm going with it other than I, I it's cool. They got so many views and it really seemed yeah. to show interest still. I mean, I think the viewing numbers for the second episode will actually be more telling. You sure. know, I feel like I feel like the first episode, there's some curiosity, whether genuine or morbid, um, you know, there's like maybe we'll give this a shot and see how it goes. But are you right. sticking around? Right. Like, you know, are you coming back to see what's happening? Did, did they set the hook in? Are you, you know, so I think. And what's the word numbers, of mouth? Right. What's the word of mouth? Um, so those numbers I think will actually be more interesting to me than the premiere numbers, even though I was pleased to see a strong showing for them. Yeah. All right, uh, so just a little setup for um, House of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, and you know, I'd stayed away from most of the marketing stuff because I'm one of the people very burned from the end of Game of Thrones. It's like, well, I'm going to try this, but I'm not like, wahoo, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I stay away from a lot of the promotional stuff. And... I was thinking that this was going to be telling of about the Targaryens and um, the Valerians pre coming to King's Landing. Mm, that's so um, that's what I was imagining. This was going to be is like maybe how gotcha. they, that falls and they move to King's Landing. So sure. quite clearly that's still back further. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know how back further that is. And that was potentially, I mean, there were so many rumored prequels in the mix. So that could have been yeah, the right. other one, the premise of one of the other ones. Um, or, I mean, it could have been the premise of this one and then they decided to shift it. But it sounds like from the, the behind the scenes stuff I watched, they were pretty fixated on this starting point in time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and there's a good series like of animated things that I think the actor for 
um, Daenerys's brother. Um, Daenerys? Yeah, narrates. I think he narrates. And that's okay. kind of talking about how, yeah, the Alan put in chat, the doom of uh, Valeria. I think that um, that's sort of done in an animated kind of thing. That was, that was really pretty effective. I should go back and, and watch mm -hmm. that again. But um, yeah, it was it was fun getting into this. Where they're talking, they kind of set up at the beginning for people 172 years before Daenerys was around, um, and so a lot of new names to learn. It's fun to see what houses are still prominent or still exist, and like you know. But we're in a situation where the Targaryens are in charge of King's Landing, and. Um, yeah, what did you what did you think of this? Like what were you expecting going in? Or your expectations met? Do you like how'd you like the yeah. look of it? Yeah, so I thought it was a great place to start. You know, they they had some exposition for the show, but it wasn't too much. It was just enough to like set a scene and then throw us into, you know, okay, like here's the time frame. here's like the major event that just happened, here we go, and we're going to be telling a story. Also, your moth friend is back. I know. <laughs> Son of a... Uh, he is really just a little star. He just wants the camera. Yeah, um, tension whore. <laughs> took, that, took advantage of that moment you're sipping your, your whiskey, yeah. there, and he's like, ha-ha, my chance. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I thought it was a strong beginning... Um, and it was very smart to bring in the dragons right away. You know what I mean? Like, like our second big setup was, you know, riding dragons and like getting into like the establishment of Targaryens are in charge. They've got a bunch of dragons. We, you know, have this whole setup system for taking care of them. Everybody kind of like has their own dragon. We have, you know, interactions with our dragon handlers. It's... It's a smart way to remind people of like, you know, this is where we're spending our money. This is like the big crazy things that we can do with that money and like how amazing we can make this. And then also to like ground it in this is also like the everyday world of the Targaryens is like this magic happens all the time. So I thought it was like a very strong setup for this series. Um Am I seeing like some some speed bumps? Heck yeah! Like we're gonna have to resolve some things, um, and there were some maybe like characters that I wasn't kind of sure how they were gonna fit in or what prominent roles they were gonna have. But overall, I think the show started in a strong place and strongly grounded itself in a courtly medieval feel that I feel like carried throughout the show very nicely. Okay. Um, and quickly, Alan here is saying House of the Dragon set about a century after Aegon's conquest of Westeros. Mm -hmm. So for context there, sure. what, um, what were some of the, the stumbles you felt or characters rather that you weren't so sure about? Sure, sure. Um, I felt like there were, um, let me actually look at my notes. Oh, um, so I felt like 
the character of Matt Smith's, you know, Prince Damon, the the heir apparent, um, was a little wobbly. Not that there was anything yeah. wrong with Matt Smith's portrayal, but there was some wobbly writing with, um, like kind of how connected he feels to his family, but then how distant he feels with them also. I didn't quite get like a smooth through line of tensions with his family and why he did certain things. And is he just sort of like this can't help himself, you know, like gets in his own way kind of guy? Is he really calculating and smart and just like made a drunken mistake? So kind of kind of the the point I'm referring to here is um, you know, he's set up as his his uncle. Viserys is the first Viserys. He's set up as his next male heir because this is like a patriarchal society and we only go to men. So even though the king has a daughter, she's not getting in line for the throne because we've already established that it has to go to like a male relative. Um, but then King Viserys is so obsessed with having a male heir that he basically sort of like wills it into existence with his current wife's uh, pregnancy and then it all goes terribly wrong and Damon is back to getting what he wanted, which is to be the heir, but then like opens his mouth super stupidly and like mocks the death of the, sorry, I'm like getting into super big spoilers here, but the death of the queen, the death of the, you know, newborn son and heir. And I just was like, this, this is like a rookie mistake. This doesn't hmm. feel smart. This doesn't feel, you know, like a move that someone with his eye on the throne should be making. And just why? Like, you have what you want. Like, why be a dick about it? So, hmm. especially in the previous scene, he actually shows, like, he cares about his family and he tries to, you know, like, be there for them. But then he, like, mocks the death of a baby. And I was just like, I'm not feeling character consistency here. Hmm. For me, um, Demon Targaryen was, you know, Matt Smith was my, like, the highlight probably of the the show. Mm -hmm. um, it was just fun seeing, you know, the doctor in this kind of role. Yeah. Um, I I like the, actually like the ambiguity of him thus far because it's it suggests to me complicated. And I don't really, I don't really know like I, I walked away from this first episode, not really sure of his motivations exactly mm -hmm. and where he is on things and yeah, exactly who he is. And I kind of like not having that immediately. So sure. like, for instance, um, they're setting up that maybe he does want the throne because he's sitting on the throne when, when, uh, his niece sees him and, um, then, but then he he gives a necklace to her, and is talking about like sharing something together, and um, we go that he's charged with a new role. Um, he's in charge of the city guard, and mm -hmm. is like really getting down to business. So we see like he'll go to great lengths to achieve what he wants to achieve. Um, yeah. So it's it's a back and forth between like caring for the family, like aggression. You know, we see he has a temper. Um, mm -hmm. 
does he really want the throne? Is that a thing? Because he didn't seem upset that he wasn't going to have it, but then not like, you know, because with the assumption like, okay, there's going to be a male heir. Okay, there is a male heir. Um, but then we see the weird little smirk in the brothel. Like, I'm just not, I'm not sure what to think of him yet. And I yeah. like that, I guess. Yeah, I I like that, you know, there's there's potential there for him to be torn and complicated and, you know, family duty can be mixed up with personal ambition. I just felt yeah. like for someone who made in, in my you know, from from a human empathetic standpoint, a terrible um he made like a terrible weapon in creating the gold cloaks. Because obviously he's like, you. we see him march through the city and just begin this like absolute reign of terror, just attacking people and just like summary judgment. I think you're a rapist, like let's cut off your balls. So, you know, he's using them as like this fist of fear, but it's, it's a very, you know, if you move yourself from like the human emotion of that, it's a very smart thing for him to do. Like, you know, his, like the hand... Um, Otto Hightower warns Viserys like he's made himself a little personal army that's going to have his back because he's taught them he's raised them he's like clothed them sheltered them fed them like he gives them entertainment now he gives them leave to like you know butcher people if they want to do that so he's built this like loyal little army and that seems like a very smart and calculated move and then to me to like go to that brothel and say something so stupid about the death of you know this young prince when you already have what you want it just it it seemed like a really a really dumb move from somebody who previously to me seemed smart complicated you know maybe he was unsure about what he wanted or you know his duty to his family but still a smart guy and this to me was just like a dumb move you know does the that was my that was my problem like I wasn't does the yeah does the like is it necessarily calculated though like creating the you know kind of changing and shaping up the city guard and they become really loyal to him like is that I didn't read it as like well that's a calculated thing so then he has power or he has leverage or he has people at his beck and call more like maybe that's a well, this was my task and I'm going to do it the best I can. Not like, well, I'm prepared now. If someone like does something no, to me, I have an army to send after them. Right. I don't think it was necessarily a calculated move in the like, you know, if I win the throne, I will have my own personal little army or I could use them to take it over. But I think it was smart in the, I know you're giving me a task just to like pass me off. You know, like, uh, like everybody says, like, you know, we don't know what to do with Prince Damon. So, you know, the hand suggests like, this is where we stick him, you know? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, build up the gold cloaks. I'm going to make them, you know, an effective fighting force and byproduct. They're now loyal to me. And this is a way for me to like, give you the finger. It's a way for me to get out some of my aggression. And yeah, it is kind of a way I think it's not necessarily his first goal, but you know, there is a sense of like, I'm also sort of building my own loyal little family that if I need them for any reason, not just for taking the throne, but for whatever I want, they're here for me. So I, yeah. I kind of just like felt a lot of that 
that just sharpness of mind, not necessarily that he was like cold and calculating, but that just he played that very smartly. And then in this other like situation in the brothel, I felt like he played that very poorly and it Mm -hmm. just didn't quite jive with the character that I felt I was getting to know. Yeah. Do you remember who, um, if it was called out any way, how that got back to the king? Because they said it was like substantiated. So, yeah. But like, was he uh, maybe. Somebody was there and and told. I don't remember. Because it was one of his people that's not as loyal as he thinks, or it was a. Right. Or if it was a whore, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. And then, they they definitely like say that it's like verified by a bunch of different witnesses. It's not just like one mm-hmm. person. Well, definitely the moment of in the moment of emotional turmoil, uh, making the snap judgment to get rid of him is obviously our setup for yes a lot of he- headache and disaster that's about to, to befall the kingdom. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, like with the gold cloaks, like what sort of, what does the loyalty do that he's built up with them? Like, do they, do they end up backstabbing the King? Do they leave or, you know, or is that loyalty, you know, it's more surface level than we thought or what happens there exactly. But Mm -hmm. definitely probably a poor choice to make snap decision, uh, get out of here. Cause, um, yeah, it's going to create some conflict for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, like they before kind of, you know, he says, like, I'm you should have put me on the council. Like, I here to protect you because they don't respect you. They use use mm-hmm. you to get what they want. You know, yeah. like not that's untrue. the kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Again, <laughs> that's like, where is it? Is the family more important? Is his is does he have personal motivations that are more important or where is right where is he going here? Yeah, um, I do I do love the conflict between the brothers, you know, Damon and, and Viserys, because it feels very real in terms of both have valid points and they both tried to do things for each other, but it wasn't what the other necessarily wanted. So they're both like sort of screaming at each other in different ways how much they love each other. And they're both being ignored. You know, Viserys is like, I gave you everything. Like, you know, I gave you tasks and I gave you a wife and I gave you money and I, you know, gave you positions of power and you just like threw it all away. And he's like, yeah, you like gave me stuff that I didn't want. Like what I wanted was to be here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there was just this sort of like each of them was trying to love the other, but it wasn't coming through. And it felt like a mm-hmm. very natural argument for family to have. Sure. So I really loved their interactions with each other. Yep. Um, well, we've been talking about him some, King Varys. Um, how do you like Viserys. his portrayal and stuff so far? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely a complex character. He is strong yet weak. Um, you know. He seems sometimes like he's only after a good time. Like, you know, he's so concerned about this tournament that's coming up and he doesn't really seem connected with like the struggles of everyday King's Landing. 
but he's also in a sense like so hyper focused on you know protecting peace and stability which he thinks will be happening through the birth of his male heir that this tournament is just sort of like okay well i had a dream these are all the things that happened to make me have a son so now i just need to like manifest that so that this peace yeah. and prosperity keeps going so it's a weird like push and pull of you know I actually think this tournament is like a duty to the crown in a way and not just like I'm having a good time and spending some money. Um, right. You know, he doesn't seem to like enjoy carousing or like drinking wine to excess or, you know, any of the the follies that we've seen from, you know, in Game of Thrones, like I think Robert Baratheon was just like party animal. Like, I don't care about the kingdom. I just want to have a good time and forget all this. Yeah. So. He does in one way seem to care, but in another way, he's very detached from what like ruling actually means on the day-to-day yep. level. Yeah, I thought the I thought the tournament was kind of a good parallel, it felt to me, to early Game of Thrones. Like you could mm -hmm. go, it, it felt very familiar. We definitely had that before. Like you say, it's a good contrast between Robert Baratheon here and uh Viserys. Yeah, so I I, I liked how this went. Um, we had again people being upset that when they lose or whatever, and we got to see ruthless. Yeah, you know, we got to see the uh, up and coming star that um, it's probably gonna find some affections from the queen, if I had to guess. And then, um, yeah, pretty. We got to see Damon to do a do a pretty big cheater cheater move. Cheater cheater move. Yeah, when he goes for the horse. Oh, instead of the I rider. Mean, is that it's, no, it's is that not. Illegal? Chris and okay. I looked up the the rules, so. and that is that is considered actually cheating. Oh, oh, it, okay, that is cheating. Okay, all right. Yeah, just to like stab okay. the horse's legs instead yeah, yeah. of going for the rider, it's considered cheating. So okay, yeah, I, can, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that. how like severe the punishment was or anything like that. I know Chris looked it up and told me, but um, yeah. 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 I don't know how much I want to participate in these games. If someone's like either going to one cheat and then it's, you know, it's let go or yeah. you win and then they want to continue the fight and, right. you know, <laughs> might be to the death. Just, just bash your face in. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was clearly some like, you know, sore losers. And, uh, in that, yeah. in that sense of the word, sore loser can definitely mean like you're dead now. Yep. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was definitely um, it was an, another great way to show both, like, the courtly grace contrasted with this, like, absolute barbarism of the time. You know, yep. like, just, I think the the tournament was even more impressive. You know, they clearly had, like, a nicer stadium that was built. Um, everybody looked, you know, well-dressed and presented. Um, and then, yeah, we just had this, like, absolute slaughter literal on the field yep yep um so obviously yeah we're talking with you know this whole episode is really designed to set up like how we get to the point where um precedent is broken and mm -hmm. um ray uh rayra reyna 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 rhaenyra rhaenyra okay mm -hmm. is uh is named air and yes. uh so we get some interesting like um, you know, her setup is sort of like expected, like I want to go out and explore world adventure, all this sort of thing or whatever. 
But then I like how we get to the moment with the king speaking with her and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, so she's thrust into adulthood more, thrust into reality, the position that she's in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like the whole, you were, you know, even said a word to me since, you know, mom died and now you're going to ask me what this is. But, you know, getting that moment of passing on the, idea of Mm -hmm. here's the dagger this is our history this is the prophecy that's told and obviously the prophecy that you know this is the moment where i started thinking about game of thrones again and uh Mm -hmm. getting upset because that's the whole idea behind game of thrones so it was a nice connection there of course totally totally yeah i mean i think i think we should connect before we do that um i also really liked this scene as well to me it felt as if we were actually sort of in the middle of history and it's as if Henry VIII had suddenly stopped being so obsessed with with producing a male heir and looked around and been like, damn, my daughter Elizabeth, she is like really suited (laughs) to being a ruler. I should probably just pay attention to her and, you know, like pass along the wisdom I've gained. So this was kind of like a really cool like historical parallel for me or like a historical like scenario, like a what if almost, you know, if he'd sort of like turned around and recognized like I have a really capable child. So what if she's a woman like we'll just make her queen anyway. And that's kind of what this scene felt like to me. And I loved it um, because it, you know, it really raised the stakes for a lot of characters. It made Viserys seem a little bit less drifty and sad um which he just could have been like you know he could have been like a really sad character after the queen died he just could have like drifted through this series and become like almost a ghost but this almost seemed to like revitalize his purpose um Mm -hmm. so i really liked this scene and i really liked the following scene where it's clear viserys just was like okay well i'm going to announce rhaenyra as my heir now like damon's out of the picture and everybody is just gonna have to accept it and these, you know, familiar houses start coming in like Baratheon and Stark and pledge their loyalty to Rhaenyra. Yep. So it was a really like fun, you know, switch. It obviously is setting up some conflict, but then it was also like a touchstone. Like you said, we get to hear about the White Walker legend. We get to hear some familiar houses that we recognize, even if we don't know the people just yet. Yep. So it was a great little nod. Like not too much yep. Game of Thrones, but just like a little bit in there. Yep. Yeah, I should like warn everyone that there will 100% be spoilers for Game of Thrones in our talk Absolute, of House absolutely. of the Dragon, <laughs> uh, if that's not clear. Because um, I suppose there'll be some people coming to this and then going to Game of Thrones afterwards. But, but Yeah, uh, yeah entirely I, uh, possible. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's... It's tough because so the pregnancy, the birth, um, how did you, yeah. How did you read the options given by the grand maester? Because Ashley and I were a little conflicted in what like the scenario seemed to be there versus Mm -hmm. what like the producers and stuff said afterwards, after the show about it. Sure. Yeah, I felt like it was a little bit misleading of a setup because there was the the way that the maester introduced this. He's like, well, there's like this 
practice that we've heard of and like yeah. maybe it could sort of be helpful in this scenario and it seemed very like there were still other options left but he was just sort of like introducing this and then as it moved along it was sort of like just kidding like these are your these are your options like you have to get the baby out do you know what I mean? Like in in the first sense, there was there was a sense of like this being introduced very prematurely, and that you know there was the to me the sacrifice of of a mostly healthy queen who was just having a lot of trouble with birth or like getting the baby out at all costs and like sorry queen, and then later on it sort of seemed like actually they were both in jeopardy, and he just had to make a horrible choice about like saving the only life he could so this right. this setup felt very weird and it felt very weird that like the queen was just like passed out for all of it like no talking to her no options suddenly this was just happening to her like yeah this this birth scene bothered me a hell of a lot it i it was for me the the biggest downfall of the episode just because uh, I just didn't, I mean, it was effective, you know, in the cross between right. this and the combat and stuff like that. Like it brought the shock and the, you know, it was a horrible situation and everything. And like, it did that mm -hmm. well. I, I just like, didn't like, sorry, I'm just going to say this. I feel like everybody knew from the second that he was so obsessed with getting a male heir and he was like, you have to make this happen. Like I had a whole dream about it. Like there was just a sense that things were going to go wrong. Yes, of course. It's this world. It's gonna. It is right. immediately. I'm like, well, the most tragic thing to happen would be for to the the mother is sacrificed so the son can live, but they end up both dying. Immediately, I was like, that's what this. That's the exactly. most tragic thing, and so of course that is what happens. Um, so it was predictable, but made sense for the most effect. Right. I just it was didn't understand. But yeah, I just didn't understand the setup exactly because to me, to, from me, it would have seemed the choice would have been explained as, look, the baby is not lined properly. It's not coming out. You've got two choices, basically. We can either sacrifice the life of the mother and cut the baby out alive, and hopefully that is what happens, um, or we have to cut the baby out in pieces and hopefully the mother is okay in this right. case. Right. And so both ways are and choosing to end one of the lives and in the name of hopefully saving the other. Mm -hmm. That to me would be the, the presented scenario. Um, but to me, what we got was like, well, sometimes was, you have to make an impossible choice. And, but what was the choice? It was like, right. let nature, let, let God, let nature take its course, or we're going to cut her open and try to save the baby. Right. Like that to me seemed to be the two choices. But yeah. then in the post credit thing, it was, it, they seemed it like pretty clearly to seem to suggest that the the uh, that the mother was going to die either way just this one option which, would maybe be the baby living but right which was not uh, clear not clear in the setup at all no 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 so, so yeah, it's so like it, i it almost want to take what was in the show 
you know, as the thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, it may. I mean, it definitely made the choice seem more horrible on Viserys's part if you just take what's in the show because it wasn't clear that Queen Emma was going to die. Right. And that he just sort of like chose like, well, I just really need this heir. So yeah. sorry. Yeah. So I think it, it made the choice more horrible. It made everything to, to me um, more horrific that he didn't even like wake her up to talk to her about it or like, you know, say like, this is what's happening. They're asking me to make choices. And she had no say in what was going on. She just like woke up and was like being pulled down and a knife was being pulled out. Yep. <laughs> just... And Viserys just kept repeating, they're bringing the baby out now. Like, yeah, woof. Yeah, absolutely did not care for his character at all at, at any moment in that scene. I just, just didn't cold. I think the, the setup seemed I just I'm upset with the, the setup. I'm upset yeah. with the way that it was way it was explained. We as an audience need to know what choice he's making. Clearly, yep. we need to understand that. And we didn't. Yeah. And even afterwards, we don't exactly because now we right. have conflicting what was on screen with what was said about right. it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was never made clear that the queen was going to die. There, there mm -hmm. definitely seemed from the way everybody was phrasing things, it was one or the other. And one of yeah. them would hopefully be fine. And that included mm -hmm. the queen. There was never right. like a, they're both going to die. Right, because if that was the case, it totally changes the scene. Absolutely totally changes does. the scene. Yep. So I don't know. I just like obviously like it's it's one scene, but it's a pivotal one. And mm -hmm. I just like I I hope it doesn't um forebode future things with the show where they're they too much know where th know where things need to go. And they're going to make that happen. And it, it maybe doesn't logically make sense that way. And maybe right. that suggests a little bit more of what you're talking about with Matt Smith's character with Damon. Like, do they have, do they understand the clear character motivations that he has? Right. And they're just and leaving they, us a little in the dark yet. Right, right. And are they clearly or, presenting us, us with like the scenario and not having to explain it in the end credits. Yeah. Like it's totally yep. fine to with old things and mysteries and like we'll learn full details of things later, but you have to like be consistent and you have yep. to, you know, whether that be with like a character motivation or with like a scene. And because that scene now shaped some of Viserys' character. And in that yeah. moment, like in that birthing moment, just like watching it from the show, I absolutely hated him. Like, mm -hmm. just couldn't believe the audacity. And then post-credits, I was like, well, I still don't like what happened, but clearly a different choice was presented yeah. in, their, in their minds, not in the show. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I'm not, it doesn't ruin the episode for me, but it is a no. big deal because it's like um, in, and I won't spoil anything from Raised by Wolves, but there was a moment in there where, mm -hmm. It was explained post credits like, what? I have, would have no idea. This yeah. is nanobots or something weird yeah, yeah, reawakening. Yeah. Like zero idea, and there was nothing yeah. in this show to suggest that. I remember that's, that. That's less of a deal, even though it's like almost like 
more where would you think I would get that from? But uh, it's less of a big deal because it has no real impact Mm -hmm. on character choices or how we see someone or anything like that. This just happens to be a thing, you know? So this, yeah, this makes a difference. Um, So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it again to find out because it was uh, not fun to watch. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> especially for Ashley. She's like, yeah. I needed an, ac- I needed an actual trigger warning with that. So yeah, that was, uh, I mean, not that I'm asking the show to do it, but just personally, it was like, ugh. yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, let's see. So we have, uh, yeah, we have the new air. Can you say your name again? Princess. Rhaenyra. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the actress was was has a cool look to her. Uh, was mm-hmm. well portrayed at this point. Um, um, oh, so let's talk about Otto and his daughter. So Oof. Otto, I was like, we Otto have to get Hightower, there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Otto Hightower, I really like this actor. Um, I kind of blanking what he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of blanking what he's in exactly, but I know that I've seen him in stuff that I like. And um, I like the portrayal so far. Seems cool. But then the most odd thing, and this kind of supports to me maybe what Damon Targaryen was saying about the High Council using the king, not respecting him, and that kind of thing. Because immediately after uh, um, Viserys' wife and son have now died, he Otto asks his daughter, uh, Alicent, Alicent, mm-hmm. that maybe you should go check on the king, and gross. you know so maybe wear one of your mother's old nice gowns. Yep, yep. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like first, I thought he was asking, saying go to maybe Damon's quarters. You know, just because it's like. Yep. There was a weird, weird moment, you know, where he like asked for a favor or something at the tournament, you know, to just get yeah. under Otto's skin, you know, and uh, that kind of thing. And then, um, so I, but then I was like, why would he do that? Because he hates Damon. So then when I realized it was the king, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, that was. It's gross. It's so gross. And yeah, I really liked Otto Hightower like throughout the whole episode. He did seem to be like a very steadying influence on the king and he made several great points about Damon's character. I mean, not that Damon can't like refute them, but you know, he also right. was like, "Yeah, I know who you are too." Um and then yeah, he just like goes and does this like cold gross thing about sending his daughter in there. And I know you know, for our, like, imagined medieval time that we're living in, super common. I mean, how many historical yeah. shows have we seen, like, the Tudors where where men would just, like, send in their daughters to the king and be like, hey, hope you gain favor. Like, go yeah. get it, tiger. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was gross. I didn't need to see it. I didn't want to see it. And I definitely think it's as horrible as it was, it's a weirdly great plot point because it's obviously going to pit Rhaenyra against her friend, Alicent, if this continues, you know, like if she, if her friend like continues to go visit the King, 
and maybe right. gain some influence and power and like we'll see where that happens that's going to be another source of conflict and possible betrayal i think yep yeah it could be uh, i it's it's got to be setting up something it can't be a one and done it's got to yeah. lead to something some way or another um and right like you say common it doesn't it doesn't uh, to me speak ill exactly for for the time but it the the grossness to me is in the the time like you just oh yeah it's like it's just like it's a desperation it's a hey let's start now you know get in there, be a little closer yep. to the king you know uh yep. that kind of thing yep. in this moment that to me is the, the the disgusting part and it it speaks to again I think we're going to find a complicated story uh, with with Damon and we're going to find mm -hmm. a complicated story with the hand like we're we're if yes. they s effectively manage these to make all these characters gray or really a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting because we certainly had that in Game of Thrones where we'd have people we loved, but they were also very terrible. So yes. um, it's uh, yeah, sticking to that tradition for sure. So. Which is which is part of what made Game of Thrones great because you never, you were almost never, I should say, fully on one person's side, and they never yeah. didn't let you down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could be invested in more people's stories and their causes in some fashion than when you were right. kind of with them, and so like it didn't matter who won exactly all the time because you could mm -hmm. kind of support them somehow. Right. And I mean, that's not to say that there weren't, you know, clearly more like evil characters. Like nobody oh, was yeah. like, hey, boy, I really love Ramsey Bolton. He's just Yeah, I was going to say, if someone does, you know, I, uh, you know, I really I support questions. him over Jon Snow. I really wish the Battle of the Bastards had gone yeah, differently. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's not to say that there's not better and worse in some senses, but yeah, nobody was ever like, nobody ever fully like through every part of Jon Snow's journey was like, yes, right choice. Great job. Like, right. Never disappointed me. Didn't happen. Yep. <sighs> all this talk, I just, I like repressing all the things I want to say about Game of Thrones yet that just like, <laughs> are such. They're such swirling in there. Falters. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So am I getting this right? So because mm -hmm. um, I just want to get the the houses and the people together well. Sure. sure. So the former king, Jaharis, had a daughter. Rennes. I believe. Rennes. Rennes. Okay. And she married Lord Corliss, mm -hmm. Valerian. And so that's yes. why she is Valerian. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so obviously Valerian are native to Valeria. Um, but as, but were the Targaryens as well, or were Targaryens conquerors of Valeria? That, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I know we're dealing with talking about things that aren't in the show here, but uh, right, but it's yeah, no, it's... In, in setup here exactly. Um, oh, Alan, Alan might, might be... know. Yeah, yeah, you might be searching for an answer here. 
I know Alan's read a bunch of a, a bunch of it too. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, of Valerian descent. Okay. Who once ruled the Seven Kingdoms? Um, yeah, it's a noble family of Valerian descent. Mm -hmm. So the Valerians are are the older family. Mm -hmm. Um, would seem to be the case. And then I suppose I I just imagine them kind of taking over because they were the ones to figure out how to ride dragons. Yeah. So, but well, they'll probably be. They're just a house out of many from Valeria, says Alan. So. That's what it looks like. Okay. Hmm. Well, what else? Have anything else to say on this uh, this premiere yeah. episode? So I was just going to say two quick things. Um, and one is I like the ending here that we get um, where, you know, we get Princess Rhaenyra is, you know, accepting everybody's, you know, fealty and pledge to support yep. her rule and Damon is out kind of in the dragon pen um and he's you know gonna take his dragon I think Caraxes for a ride and I really felt like that sort of ending setup where he's so focused on his dragon was giving me like I feel like there's gonna be more dragon battle vibes like there's gonna be a dragon mm. battle in here somewhere because i remembered at that moment when they called the name of his dragon earlier in the episode they were talking about princess rhaenyra's own syrax and they were saying like oh she's almost as big as caraxes like she's almost you know that big and powerful now so it was very like their dragons mm. were sort of like mirroring them and i right. wondered if we were going to get like another epic dragon battle yeah. So do you, that was, do that you think was he gets to take, do you think he gets to, I mean, take his dragon with him? He, right. So that was the other thing that it made me think of. So like if everybody has their own dragon and like Damon, like, is he just yeah. displaced as heir? Is he totally like kicked out? If he's kicked out, does he get to take his dragon because it's his dragon? Like, you know, um, right. or like, would they try to like give the dragon to another rider? Is that not like how that works? Because of course with, Game of Thrones, you know, Daenerys had three, but then she was sort of able to like give one quote unquote to Jon Snow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, oh, this is totally transferable. These, they were still sort of hers, but yeah. sort of not. So we were really figuring out how dragons operated. And here it really feels like they've got a whole system set up. So we should be like, you know, this should be like a thing we know how to address and deal with. Yeah. So that's, that's just kind of one thing I was thinking about the episode. And then the other thing I thought about at the episode, because they brought it back, um, was Viserys was sitting on the iron throne and like cuts his finger and starts yeah. bleeding. And then I thought about like that really random scene early on where he's got like a lesion. Yeah. Yep. And that's clearly some sort of, yeah, that won't heal. And, and, one of the smart young maesters says like, why don't we cauterize it? Like, let's stop leeching this and bleeding it. Let's just cauterize it and cut it off, which was very smart, but also like, A, does that work? Cause he like touches his hand through fire later and like doesn't burn. So yeah. Right. He's a Targaryen. And then B, 
if it doesn't work, like, what is this, like, lesion foretelling us? Like, is there some sort of disease that's creeping up? Right. Yeah, no, I definitely thought that. It's like, okay, we're, we're setting in place again. It's all about setting in place the, it's all about transfer of power. It's all about the mm -hmm. air. So making it the little early signs of him being sick of some, in some way. And then, yep. yeah, I thought that with the cut too, it's like, oh, you're going to get a further infection somehow. You're going to, you know, because right. it came from some other thing. So, yeah. Yep. It's good. Good moment. Setting up a lot of stuff. Hopefully the things are managed to pay off. Mm -hmm. um, let's yeah. see. Overall, I thought it was a really strong first episode. Yeah. Not without, not without flaws, but I mean, on the whole, like, well done. Yep. I agree. I, you know, I didn't know what to expect going in, but I thought it looked like it was shot pretty well. And it was good to see, hear some of the music back. Um, yes. You know, I definitely, I definitely felt that I missed Game of Thrones, you know, and it uh, made me. From its heyday. I'm trying. Yeah. And I'm trying not it, to it get my good, self. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, in those a number of years of just, just. So, so solid, it just, and it, it boils my blood <laughs> what they did to it. It just boils my blood. So I'm, I'm trying not to get overhyped about this because it's the first episode and it's a good yep. start and there's an audience ready for more. They're there to see it. So don't mess it up. Don't, yep. I mean, you have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity if this show stays good to make rings of power meaningless i mean yep. this is a big thing rings of power is starting soon yep. and uh obviously two heavy hitting fantasy shows both lots of money being invested in them and i will be shocked if rings of power can even touch the what they've got going in this thus far they don't but if you know yeah don't mess it up. If, it, so. if they stay on course for sure if there's mm -hmm. you know if we take a sudden nosedive like we did with Game of Thrones, then yeah, I mean, Rings of Power's got mm -hmm. some real space to to come in and steal everything. Yep. Do you have any inkling of an idea of how you would have ultimately ended Game of Thrones? I know this is kind of a big question. Oh, but... that is a big question. Um, boy. It's it's hard because, you know, there's there's the like you know, do you stick with the vague outline that George R. R. Martin sketched out um that Danny was going to turn um you know, it was just going to take a, a bit longer <laughs> than uh what they, you know, portrayed um or, you know, would you would you kind of keep her in a benevolent, you know, imperfect, but benevolent, ultimately kind of ruler phase. And would you have ended it peacefully? Um, I think the more true to Game of Thrones would have been, yes, Daenerys still goes a little crazy. Maybe something bigger happens to make her that way. Um, or maybe, you know, I don't know. I feel like it probably would have been a betrayal of like the es essence of the series had she ended as like a great ruler and everything was like peaceful and fun and united. So I probably would have either maybe like killed her off during the battle with the White Walkers, like 
you know, getting getting the king and then just like it all goes down. Um, you know, maybe sacrificing herself along with like her dragon who was turned, um, you know, and just everybody goes down there and then we're all left kind of like picking up the pieces. Um, I feel like it would have made more sense to me to have them be scattered like kingdom pieces. Like Sansa still made sense to me as like queen in the north. Jon Snow maybe goes somewhere else and like leads but maybe like I don't know Tyrion takes over King's Landing and has that little like domain so I feel like everybody kind of ending up in their own like little domains and there's like a maybe like a leader summit once a year to like make sure everything's going good and like trade is fine and whatnot but yeah that's that's the closest I can get to some sort of like thoughtful ending okay I so this is one thing, one place. Feel, I still feel like we we couldn't have ended with like the Night King winning. Okay. That would just be, that would be just too sad. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody wanted I, like a perfect happy ending, but I don't think anybody was like Night King should win. I feel like that's maybe where it should have been. Yeah. So, so. I mean, the, it would make the most sense for like how, how like willing George R. R. Martin is to just like sacrifice beloved characters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it totally makes sense. Like the moment, like he kills Ned Stark, you just have a sense of like anything effing goes here. And the yeah. series gradually moved away from anything goes. So yeah, I mean, in, in one sense that would, that would line up for sure. Mm -hmm. I just, for me, I for me, I could do it. As as far as I mean, it definitely would have been controversial. Um, and like for right now, like the controversy or like where I think we differ probably the most is the and where fans like have the divide is where. Do you think it was good that Daenerys went AWOL or not? And like, do you think it was the right time or not? And like, ultimately, I think there was enough hints over time that I was OK with her losing it, though. Probably Timing not in the same fashion, you know. Timing and was like way a, off, and to like a lesser said, degree. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine if she would have eventually derailed. Um, it wouldn't have been like my ideal scenario, or maybe that's where we would have ended. You know, like just like a total like happy ending. Everybody's united, and then she does do her like crazy, and then the whole kingdom is just like, what the fuck do we do? And everybody's yeah. like, okay, we got our own little fiefdoms, and we're all gearing up for war against each other. Like, yep, the end. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't think anybody felt that the timing was right for that. The, so the way I see it and though I don't like it, the reality as far as I see it is the entire game of Thrones is an allegory for climate change. So the white walkers are climate change. And so you have, it's the setup from the very beginning. The threat is the white walkers. And the idea is that we're going to have to come together and make all unify in order to defeat this threat. Mm -hmm. So they do this out of order. The giant threat that's been pervasive in the, in the background for the entire show where everybody is like, they're coming, it's going to happen. We're going to have the long winter. It's whatever. And then no one believes them and no one believes them. And then eventually they show up. They deal with that before dealing with Daenerys. 
that needs that whole conflict needed to be the final conflict. So instead of having Arya just coming like, oh, stabby, stabby, and he's done, threat over, you just ended the series with that. That was what was, you just, it's over now. Now it doesn't matter because the whole point was dealing with this threat. So it would have been more interesting to me if Daenerys was able to, whether by their choice, whether by um, adult, from adulation or by force, unifying Westeros and managing to take on, you know, dealing with the threat. So if you want the victory, she would be become tyrannical to the point where she gets everyone involved that is, and are able to defeat the the night king mm -hmm. or she fails in trying to unify everyone because she goes through it via force and trying to get people afraid right. and so they never are really unified and then the white walkers win and then that would right. be the it would be that would be the whole message it's like hey you guys fought over and over amongst each other of all this stuff never paid attention to the real threat. Now you're all dead. Sure. And that would be the story. It would be consistent with the prophecy. It would be consistent with the allegory they're going for. The whole thing would work out and it would be depressing, a depressing end, but it's all the whole thing is supposed to be a big warning. So you can have that and then still have the idea that not everyone is dead. There'll be hope for the future. There can right. be an It'll heir happen. somewhere that's going to like come up and, and turn things around, you know, whatever, you know, it's not right. complete doom and gloom, but to me, they right. just really like, it just went so sideways. Yeah. Like, well, and I think, I think part of that is some of that never pays off. Like they talk about, um, the prince who was promised like the, the light born and yeah. where did that ever go? Yep. Like, if I mean, this could have even been so I, I, I do like like what you're proposing. And so this story could have been like a whole precursor to all of that, like say, you know, Daenerys, like March, like you said, marches through the kingdoms, like the separate pieces of the seven kingdoms and tries to like unite everybody, you know, maybe does, but she's still defeated by the White Walkers or doesn't and goes slowly crazy and tyrannical and just like starts losing it um because she just can't like get a grip on everybody and has to like be so hard and cold in order to do what she thinks she has to do and then the white walkers come in and win and then we could have like had like a but there was a reason to all of that because you know there was another heir over here the prince who was promised and like all of these circumstances had to be set up he's here but then like fade out and just be like, okay, well, that's another story for another time. Yeah, exactly. We we have, we could have had Arya always away and she's like training with the, the house in black and white that we never really right. saw them amount to anything. Jamie, right. there was supposed to be prophecy. Like if he is one, like some flame bearer or something or another, yes. nothing well, happened with him. That, that whole storyline is so different from what's in the books. Like it's crazy because in the books sorry sp i mean spoilers are up so y'all just yeah yeah spoilers of every shape and form yeah. um, in the in the books he definitely like denies cersei's request to come like be with her and and instead like keeps on with brienne now like 
obviously we're still we still have like a million books to go and George R. R. Martin keeps promising that Winds of Winter is about to be out and it never is. Um, but so he's definitely at a place in the books where like his story in the show just was like a wild left turn and a huge disappointing character regression for him. So obviously yeah. in a real Game of Thrones ending, he would have needed to be doing something different. I don't care if it's big, small, he gets yep. slaughtered at some point. If it's senseless, if it's meaningless, it just needed to not be with Cersei. Yep. We could have we could have left dangling out there the promise of like basically a prophet, the three-eyed raven that was such a threat right. to the Night King for some reason that we don't right. understand. With there, so there's all kinds of threads that could have been left for yes. there to still be hope afterwards, yeah. you know. And Brand um it away somewhere instead of being like the most boring random ass choice for king. It's ridiculous ridiculous so, it's like we're gonna it, i mean what is again what is the show telling us now there's the right. show clearly has so many things that is trying you know it's saying trying to like you know we're gonna break the wheels daenerys's thing we're gonna you know all this and like what's the message all it is is well we don't like the lannisters and the targaryens go crazy so the good guys, the Starks, will be in charge. Like that's right. all this came down to, you know. Right. And the one that, and the one that doesn't even always know what time or place he's in, probably because he sees all of it whenever. The leader of everything. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I yeah. just. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm like dragging on. I just like it's so frustrating, and I it feel is. like there's always more stuff to talk about with it. It's such a. I was so happy at the end to see different people as opposed to Benioff and Weiss and their yes. dumb faces talking to me because <laughs> just like, Oh, they, they had, they had in their hands the greatest television show ever made. And they decided to rush it, to be done with it, to not care enough about the source material, to not spend the time to do it right. They were done well, with it. And uh, George R. R. Martin just came out with an interview very recently that said he was pushed out of the final few seasons of Game of Thrones, that he had almost nothing to do with what was going on there. I don't know if he's like saving face. I don't know if that's true. Right. But I mean, it's it's a public statement that he made that he said, like, listen, I didn't have almost anything to do other than, you know, I'd given them an outline and then they just like never talked to me about it again. Because... I mean, it seems clear, like even if even if they were like playing the game that he was involved and we're listening to him and he's part of it and everything clear, they're clear. There's no way they could have actually been listening if that was the case, because right. someone that has written all these things that connect so well, that seems so thought out, that have like the traumatic conclusions to everything, to different things or whatever. There's no way this is the result. Well, I, it's what we're going to get from Rings of the Power. I tell you, this is, this is what we're going to get. <laughs> like, it, it's this like cocky attitude that we can take this, right, we this well thought it. out, amazing thing. And yeah. Well, and, and the, the sticking point to me is everything in the final two seasons happened so quickly. There's no way George R.R. R. Martin could have been involved because his whole deal is drawing everything yes. out. For God's yes. sake, like everything happens slowly and mm -hmm. and it did take some skill from Weiss and Benioff to speed up 
the pacing of yeah. his earlier books for certain and to cut down on some characters that didn't need to be there. Like there are, mm-hmm. there are certainly characters from the books that are interesting and vital in some senses, but not to this particular TV show and this particular story that we're telling. It's okay to cut them out. But yeah, I mean, George R. R. Martin's whole thing is everything just takes forever and ever and ever and ever. And the way these last two seasons were rushed, there's no way he would have been like, cool, let's just like fly dragons around and like white walkers are mm-hmm. here and then we're in King's Landing and then, you know, this conveniently happens. And we're all battling at Winterfell. Never, never, never. So yeah, this is the case where they need there needed to be oversight. Like yeah. it was a, it was a situation where Martin probably should have gone to HBO and been like, by the way, these guys, well, I was working with them, but now they kind of shut me out. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what they're doing, you right. know, and uh, then checking it. Yeah. Yeah. Checking <laughs> in. It's like, I know you probably want this to go for, you know, another decade. I don't think it's going to, I think they're going to wrap it up here. Um, yeah. I don't, I encourage anyone interested to go out and look at some clips of the actors talking about like at panels and stuff about the final season and stuff, mm-hmm. doing the final reads and stuff like that, the script, they were, there's clear discomfort and like agitation and just kind of right. being over it because right. they, the like, way their character are going and things yeah. are happening is just so nonsensical. Right. They clearly are like, well, we were obligated to finish, but yeah. nobody's happy about this. Like, yep. this is not what I wanted. And I mean, I think it's also clear that like these actors didn't want to be locked into like another 10 years. I mean, they, they had a really great run and I'm sure that they would have stayed around for like a couple of more seasons, but nobody's suggesting that like Game of Thrones needed to be 16 years long or like 16 seasons long or anything like right. that. But there's also a sense of like, well, what happened though? Like we weren't, we're obviously we're, we're here for as long as you needed to finish a great story. Like, but you didn't. And yeah. now like this, this show that we built our careers on just went down in flames and took some of them with it. Yep. I think they could have done it in nine full seasons. Yeah. Cause the last two were short. So yeah. nine full seasons, full episode seasons. Nine, maybe 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you'd still would have had some loose threads, I suppose. You would have had some unexplained, you know, but like. Totally. We can forgive those things. Those are the things that when you go back and watch them and you're like, oh, yeah, what about that thing? What about the second brothers or whatever they were, or the brothers and something or another? What about yeah. uh, the um, Stark mother? Um, right. Things that weren't even introduced. Her her story is so different. And yeah, spoiler, she comes back. But yeah, like we didn't have uh, to. We don't have to know about that for certain. But I think the characters that we were already there for and invested in, they needed better wrap ups for their stories and they needed to not take left turns. Betraying. uh, Brat, what's the other Baratheon? Uh, not Renly. Stannis. Um, Stannis betraying his character. I do not mm-hmm. see that for him. No. Making Varys stupid. No. Nah. Oh, God. 
Anyway, I mean, he makes he makes some poor choices. Don't get me wrong. Oh but yeah, that, that's definitely not one of them. Like sacrificing right. his own daughter is not one of them. No. Anyways, House of the Dragon. <laughs> I, I like the first episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, to turn to turn this ship around because clearly Game of Thrones can't be turned around, but House of Dragon can. Um, yep. Yeah, strong first showing. I really hope they follow it up with a second episode that is at least as good, if not better. You know, I yep. really hope they continue because they've they've yep. made they've eased some of the pressure I think on themselves um, that you know they've they're, the first episode is out there now, and I think it's mostly positive critical reception is going to prove that like, whew, okay, like this isn't a huge flop right now could still be one, but mm -hmm. it isn't right now. And that's yep. really important. Yep. Yep. All right, everyone. That's been, uh, the ranting and ravings of Popcast on the rocks episode 117. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Um, we'll, we're covering Westworld yet. We're talking the boys yet, but there'll also be a new House of the Dragon. Um, so we'll see. We got so many shows to watch. Andrea's yes. going to have to update us on She-Hulk. Yep. All that sort of thing. So um, Killing the Flower. They wrote our theme song. You should check them out on Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube. You should also check us out in many places as well. Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all those sorts of things. Subscribe, share, like, all that sort of stuff. If you listen in podcast format on what your favorite podcast directory is, please leave a review. On Spotify, you can watch us in audio or video format. There's sometimes polls and stuff I put up on there. And then if you're on like Apple podcasts, yeah, reviews are, are much appreciated there as well. So that'll do it from us. Andrea, thanks again for joining me. Of course, as always, cheers, everybody. <laughs>